Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're going to be digging into Formula One's new team rule, which I didn't know there was a new team rule, so we're going to dive into it. Trying to figure out what the mess is going on here. The 2022 FIA Formula One technical regulations are insane, with lower downforce, more mechanical grip, and less dirty air, all of which we already knew, which should help make overtaking easier with more competitive racing. However, the sporting regulations have changed up as well. For the first time in Formula One, there is a budget cap of around $140 million that will be put into place next year. There are now also balance of performance rules in F1, which will restrict development time for top teams and give more time to teams that finish lower in the championship. However, perhaps the craziest new rule is the new entrance cost rule. Stated in there is that from 2021 onwards, any new team wanting to join Formula 1 will have to pay a 200 million entrance fee. Dang, and I thought the $45 entrance fee at Legoland was high. This is a whole new level. Jokes aside, there are some clear disadvantages and some not-so-clear advantages to this rule, starting with the disadvantages. The first main disadvantage is that there will be a major deterrent, or that this will be a major deterrent for new teams. I don't think there are enough Lance Strolls to go around for each team to be able to get onto the grid. 200 million is a huge amount, and although most teams in Formula 1 are more than able to pay this amount, I doubt the new teams, such as Pantera Team Asia, will find it easy to muster up this colossal sum. Secondly, this may lead to problems further down the road for new teams. Let's just imagine that a team has taken a massive loan to pay, 200, to pay this $200 million. It's pretty clear that said team will not be a top team immediately. In fact, they may be a bottom team. If this is the case, the team will focus more on saving money rather than improving performance in order to pay off their debts. This will lead to their performance getting worse, which means they won't be able to pay off their debt and the circle continues. Now you may think that this will never happen, but it has. Virgin Racing, turned Marussia, turned Manor, was a backmarket team that raced from 2010 to 2016. In early 2016, the parent company of Manor Racing went under and the team was left abandoned. This meant that the parent this meant that Manor had no money left, so they shut down most of their departments. This led to poor performance all around and huge debts to Mercedes, suppliers, and staff. In the end, the team relented and the team was liquidated. So, this could be a real issue. So, this rule is bad and should be removed from the rulebook, right? Well, no. Not quite, at least. So, the advantages. Okay, so things don't look good for new teams, but every cloud has a silver lining. This rule has certain advantages that people may not think of. The first and important one is that it will filter out the penniless privateers from the well-funded firms. Let's be honest, F1 is an expensive sport. There's no getting past that. In 1989, the engine formula in F1 was changed, and suddenly there were nearly 30 teams in F1. Most of these teams were privateers who were unable to run one car, let alone two. These included BMS Scuderia Italia, Life F1, Onyx, Ryle, Fond Metal, Andrea Moda, Simtech, Pacific, the list goes on. These teams left F1 with crippling debts and hurt prides. However, there were survivors. Salber, for example, lives to this day with decent results. Why? Because they had good funding and money. Which is kind of redundant if they had good funding, well then yeah, they had money. But anyway, unless he means money money for other things. I digress though. 
This means that F1 remains an exclusive sport with a maximum of 12 teams, not overrun by teams that operated out of the sheds with no money. This was one of the things that set back last decade's new teams. Catrum, for example, had to survive on crowdfunding to get to the end of the 2014 season. Secondly, this will make F1 attractive for manufacturers. Formula E has managed to poach most of the manufacturers in motorsport. However, there are some manufacturers still interested in Formula 1. Renault, Mercedes, and Honda are committed to F1, while Porsche, who have been having on and off talks with the FIA, may join later in this decade. Aston Martin is also joining the grid in 2021, so the future of F1 may be set as manufacturers will know that they won't have to run the risk of being embarrassed by smaller teams and go to their board saying this was a failure, as is happening with Renault. So, a new rule and a controversial one, perhaps. Who knows? We'll find out more next year. So it would seem to me that the general gist is... Smaller teams are going to struggle even further. The higher-up teams, who may or may not be bad, won't have to worry about being embarrassed by smaller teams, as, these, as the article stated at the end. Overall, I really... You know, I think this is a bad move. I can see where... I can see the advantage of not allowing small, underfunded teams from participating in the sport because they're just not going to be able to stay in the sport for that long, and it's a waste of time, it's a waste of grid space... So, there's a, yes, there's an advantage there. But overall, I think for teams like AlphaTauri, even though they're basically Red Bull light, uh, Alfa Romeo and a few other teams, and prospective teams that would like to get into the sport, honestly, I feel like this is just a bad move. I mean, people already complain that Mercedes is too dominant. And for the most part, we only have three teams at the moment that are truly competitive for the top three spots. We don't need less teams making the sport either more predictable or less interesting to watch because there's less cars on track to battle with, even if it's two per team. So, yes, there's, there's advantages. There are some benefits to this rule, but on the whole, I think it's largely drawbacks. I genuinely believe that this is an additional rule that, lar that brings about more drawbacks and benefits, which is really, really unfortunate because... They didn't need that. Formula One did not need that. Well, what do you guys think? Do you like this new team rule? Do you hate it? Are you kind of half and half? You know, what are your thoughts? I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, then please like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Hitting the little notification bell, then all notifications. That way you'll be notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, well then just boot up Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.